This show is broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. For more information about the show or our network, please visit www.podcastdetroit.com. It's the Undercom. Bringing you the best in hand combat coverage with feature interviews, major events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. And now, here they are, always in your corner, Brad, Marv, and Jimmy. Hello, welcome to The Undercard. It's Wednesday, special edition of The Undercard. We only got a few Wednesdays left, I believe, until we switch back to our normal day of Tuesday. Uh, We have to start off the show. This is a monumental. Uh, Cody Stamen. Yes. Is officially in the UFC. Absolutely. Yay. About damn time. That's right. About damn time. (laughs) His good looks are now in the UFC. Uh, So Cody is taking a short notice fight. It's available on UFC Fight Pass. So he's fighting the early prelims. Um, If you've never registered, I believe the UFC Fight Pass allows for like a first-time trial offer. So for our friends in Michigan that are huge fans of Cody, um, try the trial offer, support him. Like I said, a very last-minute fight. He just found out about it, but not – could not happen to a more deserving fighter. His record is, in my mind, unblemished because that was a bad decision. Um, down we don't, in we don't, Chris, we don't, Crystal Guards. Yeah, one. we don't count the we loss don't count that one. because that was, that was a terrible decision down in uh, Crystal Guards. That, that was an alternate uh, decision. Yeah. Alternate facts, alternate decision, kind of same thing. But we got a great show for you. Uh, we're going to be introducing our first guest in a little bit. It's uh, Pete Trevino. Uh, you've seen him. Junior. Pete Trevino Jr. And uh, if you've been around the fight scene, whether it be boxing or MMA in uh, this area, the name is very familiar to you. And once you hear his voice, you're going to definitely recognize him. We do got a new ring girl in here, Kendra, that who we're going to talk about. But could not have a better uh, transition than talking about Cody Stamen's loss from a bad officiating at the time. Uh, to the story of the week that Manny Pacquiao loses to Jeff Horn Mm. in Australia. Mm -hmm. And so everybody asked my thoughts. I saved it for this week. Let's let's like run through it. Jimmy, you jump in. Let's break it down. Jimmy, jump in anytime you want. Pete, jump in anytime you want. All of a sudden. (laughs) Did you see the fight? uh, I seen as much as I could. Okay. All right. Uh, All of a sudden I'm concerned, right? Because Mayweather – I would say is as close to a sure thing as possible. Mm-hmm. But realizing now how flawed the sport of boxing is with officiating. Now, mind you, I covered the Easter fight on Toledo, too. And mm-hmm. somebody had Easter win every round mm-hmm. against his opponent, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like, to have three judges go out there and not one of them score the fight in Manny Pacquiao's uh, favor. Mm-hmm. Jeff Horn came and roughed him up. Mm-hmm. Two head bunts, big, huge gashes. Mm-hmm. Blood. Uh, it was a lot of stitches. Um, two big gashes, elbows in his face the whole time. Mm-hmm. His whole goal was just to rough up Manny Pacquiao mm-hmm. like that. And not only was I upset about it watching it on TV, 
Teddy Atlas went off. We're going to try to get his audio. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it's it's on our page. I know Jimmy can pull it up, but he went into a participation trophy rant and then went as far as only Teddy Atlas can to say that that it had to be fixed. Here you have a guy in boxing saying this fight was fixed. Now, back when Young Brad was just introduced into media for the hey undercard. Guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Braces and acne and all. I'm uh, super excited. <laughs> Pacquiao fought Bradley. Uh, I looked up the year. It was 2012. And everybody thought Timothy Bradley uh, lost the fight and he won. And some of, some of the things – tell me that this isn't familiar to like the Jeff Horn situation here. I, I went back and found some quotes because at the time, everybody that scored it scored it in favor of uh, Manny Pacquiao except the judges that were involved. So the fight was held April 12, 2014 at the MGM Grand. Uh, so what happened was – uh, I gotta find these quotes and just tell me this isn't the same thing. The Associated Press scored in the Los Angeles Times scored the fight 117-111 in favor of Pacquiao, while ESPN and Harold Letterman of HBO both scored the fight 119-109, also in Pacquiao's favor. ESPN boxing analyst and longtime trainer Ted Lee Atlas said Pacquiao clearly won, and that it was either a case of incompetence or corruption. He added, he added that a boxing needs a national commission so the judges can be accountable for their decisions. According to the AP's count, Pacquiao landed 253 punches to Bradley's 159. Former champion Oscar De La Hoya said that Bradley should have refused the title belt and that Pacquiao had won the fight. That is, we figured five years ago, that mm-hmm. happened. Same situation. In mm-hmm. which, if you look at the stats, and I'll bring up the stats here in a second, Pacquiao outlanded Horn, and no it can't ma- be by much though. Oh, he did really. Yeah, it was yeah. a, it was a huge percentage. Because like, yeah. Pacquiao yeah. had I don't about thirty three percent, and uh, the other guy I'll, had I'll like twenty. Yeah. I was going to say because I don't look at 22. stats; I just look at the fight because I don't like looking at stats because it can kind of throw you off or whatever because it. It makes you prejudice on what you think you're looking at. Well, the stat you need to look at is where all the uh, the judges were from. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's exactly. Or, or and, why and on all of these decisions you have to look at where all the, they were the from, judges right. are from because yeah. that's where what it boils down to. It's to me, it's not so much corruption as somebody just favoritism. this is your favoritism exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, this is our favorite fighter, and then oh, yeah. he he didn't do so bad that round. I'm going to give him that yeah. round. And then it ends up being like where you know it gets so lopsided, and they're like, "Oh darn, <laughs> like, what am I?" Gonna, you know, I think that's the way it ends up. You yeah. know what I mean? When they give them some of the early rounds that are that are uh, that are close, You're right? You know, and, right. and justified, justified. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and that's what happens with a lot of these judges yeah. or whatever. Well, like the first first couple rounds, there was one that was clearly his. Um, Who Horn? Yeah, Horn won the first round. He won the, the first yeah. couple, and like to I would me. say, uh, from what I seen, like I said, I couldn't hear anything. I was watching yeah. it on a bunch of screens mm-hmm. as I was working, and from what I seen, I seen the first couple rounds. I would say Horn won the first round, mm-hmm. Pacquiao won the second round, third round, and you know, and then it it's started getting back and so forth. For, you yeah. know, like they, they could do whatever the judges. Yeah. But one of the judges, uh, 
had it like really crazy score, like a horn was up by like seven or something. Yeah, yeah, it was like one nineteen. Now, now that to... was wrong, but that's what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. how that's how those scores happen. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever uh, judged amateur or uh, professionally. I've judged a couple of times for King of the Cage back in I'd say 2009. It was, and uh, judging is a lot harder than people think it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? And I've never been uh, in the ring or the cage myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I've seen a lot. You know right. what I mean? And now, you know, now that I'm thinking about all this, I really want to talk about the other referee thing is the Yamasaki thing more so than this referee thing. Well, we'll talk this about thing, it. Don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, this, this is just a lopsided thing that, you know, was judges. It's all the people that yeah. you're in there. They should be held accountable. People should have a – there should be a judge's record on how many times they were wrong and what, and what they did and stuff like that. But it's – I don't know because, honestly – it's still kind of subjective. It's what you think you exactly, see. Exactly, exactly. You know, so you can't necessarily say you're wrong. You just have to say, you know what, I, you, what you thought you saw was not what everybody else thought. Right. But what a lot of people say, and then this is about like MMA. People think that if you haven't been in the cage, you shouldn't judge or you shouldn't be able to ref, and you shouldn't think. Yeah, and that's, that's not stupid. true. That there's, is just totally not rules, true. Yeah. Period. And they, you, what on how you're supposed to evaluate each round yeah so let's go back really quickly again to 2012 because once again very similar following the announcement of the decision this is the 2012 fight versus bradley the crowd booed loudly what we noticed over the uh tv was the australian crowd booed the decision Mm -hmm, even though they liked jeff horn Mm -hmm. pacquiao appeared to be stunned by the result fight promoter bob arum uh, was irate and said that he worried about boxing's credibility in the aftermath of the decision. He also questioned the competence of the judges. Uh, Arums uh, also stated that before the scorecards were read out loud, Timothy Bradley told him, I tried hard, but I couldn't beat him. A few reporters questioned Bob's uh, sincerity in his comments and hinted that he was in on the bad decisions. One reporter, Tito Garcia Ooh. of com, interrupted Arum's, uh press conference by loudly accusing Arum of fixing the fight. Garcia wow. was physically ejected from uh, the press con- conference. Now, why why I went back into time is you got people thinking this fight was fixed by Bob again, Bob Arum, and the reasoning being is Pacquiao is my age. He's no spring chicken, and that top rank is looking for the next superstar. And corruption has always been a part of boxing. We can't escape it. But what I had the scores, if if we bring up my scores, and not like it matters because I am not a professional judge. But when I bring up my scores and we were talking rounds, even though my score is a lot closer than – what other people may have, it is still a, a big decision in between the two. So uh, basically, first round I had going to Jeff Horn, second round Jeff Horn. So he's up 2018 after two. Then Pacquiao rattles off the next three, 10, 10, 10, 3, 4, 5. So then the score is 48, 47. The sixth and seventh I give to Horn. The eighth, back to Pacquiao. The ninth is when Pacquiao hurt Jeff Horn. He should have yeah. finished him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, Pacquiao isn't the just same Pacquiao he that he was t- ten years ago, seven no. years ago. I think um, he think he had it won. You know, he did, you know he just didn't want to. 
You know what I mean? He, it's he good thought he possibility. Had it yeah, I just didn't want to take a chance. Well, it's yeah. the hometown guy too, in that sense. You know what I mean? He's, well, he's a weathered fighter. Yeah, you know what I mean, and he's a politician, so to speak, or whatever. Yeah. He's a thinking fighter, right? Let's just well, say that. and you know and, that, I mean? and that's the thing is maybe in the past. When you know he hurt Horn, he might have gone in for the kill. But now he's like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of back off because I don't want to get in too close. He could still get a good shot in on yeah. me, so I'm just going to play it for the points because I well, that's what think I'm, I'm up. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Especially yeah. you know, and he put it together. I'm here. Right. I'm in his hometown. I'm yeah. not going to you know. Right. Already went in. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let's just let's box. Let's give him a good show. Right. And, and then, yeah. <laughs> and the fix was in. Yeah. <laughs> it it could have been because in. In so, the 10th, yeah, the ahead. referee says to Jeff Horn, I have to see something from you or I'm going to stop it. Yeah. That's after the 10th, yeah. in which had to be a Pacquiao round, right? Yeah. Right. But most of the judges didn't have it at Pacquiao. But the ju- the ref went into his corner saying, listen, I can tell that you're rattled. If you don't show me something in the next rounds, I'm going to stop it. So right. meaning the ref thought Saw Pacquiao yeah. dominated the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. I had him was winning so 11, tired 12. by the ninth round. He, was, he wasn't even fighting 12? dirty like he was at the beginning. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was too tired to even you fight had, dirty. You had Pacquiao the last few rounds. Okay. So yeah. I had the score 116-112, which See, is a big I was, I was close. I had it 115-113. Uh, right. And so using this theory here really quick of, of possible corruption, the referee, th- this was one of the dirtiest fights I've ever seen. At no time, mm. from two headbunts, maybe yeah. one's incidental, the second one, when it opens up a huge gash yeah. like that, you at least you have to give a, a warning. Yeah. If not a point. Yeah, right. exactly. The he, didn't elbows, give a, he didn't knock him down any points at all for any no. of that. Right. Uh, warning on the elbows. Warning on anything. Yeah. This ref let Jeff Horn he go just, in there. He did. And that was, yeah, that was not, not good. Now, mind you... Uh, I seen some punch stats too that just he missed a high percentage. Like he was throwing, but he was missing everything. Yeah, horn. I'm just he speaking only got like, yeah. like yeah, eighteen horn, yeah. or twenty percent. Now, landed. now, if you're Conor McGregor, you also have the blueprint to beat Floyd Mayweather. You have Headbutts, to almost elbows. Right. It's, <laughs> I'm serious. No, I'm being serious. Yeah. That's the only way oh, you're going to yeah. Floyd Mayweather. Actually, you get in close, you throw in a headbutt, you kind of cinch him up a little bit. On the way out, you kind of throw a little bit of a, a an elbow or, you know, you bring it a rot, you know, you do a cross, you just a little little extra. And don't forget the foot stomp, the boxing foot stomp where you step on the other fighters. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's the mix. You <laughs> yeah, I, I, see, I I honestly, like, I, I'm, I'm half expecting kind or once he cinches up, like to just all of a sudden, you'll, you're just going to see a quick little knee just right in the leg. Like, not, I don't even know if it'll be intentional. It'll just be like route for him, you know? Just like, oh, we're cinched up right in the leg. Everybody's all hyped up for the money fight, and it's going to be first couple rounds, and that's going to be it. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's just the way I'm looking at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care which way it goes, to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to make a difference in either sport, MMA or boxing. Now, so, the, the yeah. WBO is going to review the title loss. It doesn't matter because you can't overturn it. This is that dangerous slope we talked about back even when Cody wanted to have his overturned. You yeah, can't well, overturn judges. No. What was the, even though they can be swayed. What was it? What are you talking about? What was the fight uh. like two weeks ago? <laughs> We're like, you know that, that that punch came after the bell. Oh, I, I, I do you want to do you want to hear? Uh, I got Teddy. Yeah, Teddy uh, Atlas okay. is great. Do it. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. Hold on. 
One right before that, I posted on the. Uh, you'll see Teddy Atlas sitting down. That's the one where he's ranting about you don't give. Teddy Atlas goes off. Manny Pacquiao robbed against Jeff Warren. Okay, here we go. Yeah, this one's great. They gave a trophy, a win, a huge win, to Horn, the local kid, for trying hard. <laughs> You're not supposed to get it for trying hard. You're supposed to get it for winning. And I thought Pacquiao won the fight. If you go by the real rules, the markers of Queensberry rules, who lands the cleaner punches? I love Teddy Atlas. He's I love up. Teddy Atlas too as well. I, I was just going to say. I know. He, gets, he gets fired up. Manny Pacquiao on the fight said the referee did nothing. Uh, uh, Jeff Horn used d- dirty tactics and elbow shots the whole time. Claims the referee was inexperienced, which we, which we knew. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. The only other thing that we really, really, really need to talk about is the Pacquiao thing. Is uh, here, here's the official judge scoring. Uh, somebody had it one seventeen one eleven for Horn. Somebody had it one fifteen one thirteen Horn. At least that's a little that's bit more about, believable. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I had. Or then, no, I had it Pacquiao though. And then somebody had it one fifteen one thirteen Horn again. Uh, I don't know. It's back to the thing I was saying, the judges, because why do you think Floyd Mayweather always fights in Vegas? And yeah. it's always specific to who's going to be the referee. This is all in contracts. People, right. The boxing people have that in contracts through the state and everything. We need this person to be the ref. Can it happen? We need this person to be the timekeeper. It, it goes right. down the line, you know? All right. So it's, it's all. So it's, it's just so they know who they can pay off. Here's know? the total punches. Pacquiao. <laughs> Whatever the reason. Right. <laughs> Pacquiao threw 573 punches. Jeff Horn threw 625 punches. But Manny Pacquiao landed 182 as opposed to Horn landing 92. So Manny Pacquiao had a 32% landing over Jeff Horn's 15%. Jabs, 193 were thrown by Pacquiao, 59 landed. That's 31%. Jabs thrown by Horn, 197. He only landed 19 jabs the whole fight, 10%. Power punches, 32% in the favor of Pacquiao over 17% Horn. Uh, Pacquiao threw 380 thrown over 428 by Horn, landed 123. Uh, Horn landed 73. That's domination. And that's three judges that saw it absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I was talking about Trenton, or uh, not Trenton, I was talking about good old Toledo there. Uh, Robert Easter won the fight, but there was a decision that you you looked at and you're like, somebody has to be reviewed for that because they had Easter winning every round, which he didn't win every round. But 
So that's my thoughts on the Manny Pacquiao fight. Now, now you got to say, is it even worth it to, for Manny to continue on? Um, he has an automatic rematch clause with Jeff Horn, but why would you take it? Because you're going to get more of the same crap. It was an entertaining fight. Yeah. By the way, I didn't even say it was very entertaining. Yeah, it was a it's good fighting. Yeah. It was it was really really good. Yeah. But if you're Manny Pacquiao, you don't need Jeff Horn. We won't be talking about Jeff Horn in a year. And the the thing that Manny Pacquiao needs. But he's got the belt. Yeah, but you know what? Manny, as he moved up, didn't care. No one cares about belts like they used to when we watched boxing. They give them up and they move up weight classes. They don't care. I would just basically not uh, at all take a rematch and try to find something Manny Pacquiao. Maybe uh, we talked about uh, uh, Crawford. Uh, you could have a possibility of, uh, you know, and Crawford would be an interesting one. They're both top-ranked fighters. But now you already got Bob Arum saying Crawford versus Jeff Horn, and that's why people are talking conspiracy and stuff. But it's no secret that our sport has been uh, – we have a black cloud over boxing, and, and we should. If, if Jake LaMotta, who I've got to meet from Raging Bull, is correct in that he used to throw fights – that was Robert De Niro. That wasn't Jake LaMotta. Well, yeah. Like, based on Jake's life. Oh, you life. mean the re- Raging yeah, Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you said from Raging uh, Bull. Like, <laughs> there's always been corruption of with course. boxing, and we'll never get away from it. If that. there's any anything that involves money or money that can be made is going to be corrupted, no matter if it's business, no matter if it's betting, no matter if it's boxing. I mean, if somebody can make well, money off of it, Somehow it's going to get corrupted. Why Pacquiao right always going to get screwed? But here's the thing: with the, he said the money thing, that's why the Pacquiao Horn thing does. What if Pacquiao brings the money fight or whatever to him? That'd be to get the belt back. And if he does the fight in the Philippines with his crowd, right? Exactly. Well, that's just you know, it, he's going to bring money into the Philippines it. for the fight. They can't have it in Australia right. again. Yeah, right. right. No. So that's what I'm saying. So if he, if he wants to rematch, it'll be something for money. It's something somebody's got to benefit. Like Jimmy right. said, somebody has to benefit money wise. Right. So in that sense, if man. Manny Pacquiao is going to take advantage of the rematch. He'll probably have it in the Philippines where it's his crowd, right. his judges, and yeah. everything. He'll get the belt back, and yeah. he'll bring all that revenue into the Philippines where it needs it in his crowd. Right, exactly. That's uh, it. But now you're talking about Bob Arum. A little side note about Bob Arum. Bob Arum, if you're listening... You need to stop holding on to our fighter and making him fight in Dallas and Texas <laughs> and in California and everything like that and let Eric DeLeon come over here and fight in Detroit. Absolutely. 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 That would be a great... Well, go ahead. Um, that's all I have for Bob Arum. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that you're willing to say. Yeah, that's it. That's all I can say. <laughs> on a different evaluation of the fight, Pacquiao doesn't look as fast. Uh, he, he's clearly aged. The daytime, th- that was Sunday afternoon in Australia. It looked hot. It looked like the sun was, bothered Well, and that's Pacquiao. the other thing, too, is that they're, they're, I, I'm watching the fight going, man, they're fighting with, like, the sun right in their eyes. Like, why would you do that? So not only did Pacquiao have sun in his eyes, he also had two gushing blood uh, yeah. injuries off his scalp from headbunts yeah. going in his eye. Now, if you looked at Jeff Horn the next day and you looked at Pacquiao the next day because mm-hmm. both of them spoke to the media, right. you would have swore Jeff Horn lost. His yeah. left eye looked horrid. Yeah. And it was swelling during the fight, too. 
Um, that doesn't mean ever anything because people swell differently. No, I'm just saying, yeah. like, if you looked, one looks. No, I, okay, I understand, one but doesn't. you can't you can't ever judge. Oh, I know. how well somebody did by how they look afterwards because people's skin people react differently. There was a picture on Facebook or somewhere like that, Jimmy. You should look it up about after the fight. Manny Pacquiao was taking interviews and talking to people and having pictures yeah. taken all you know with blood and everything yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Like minutes after the fight, and a couple hours after the fight, you see pictures of Horn in the hospital with the yeah. belt on his lap, <laughs> all lumped up. Yeah. And he got his hand on his head and everything, oh, and there's yeah. pictures of it. And, I'm, and the, the people were saying, did he really win the fight with those two pictures? Manny Pacquiao's giving interviews with fans, and right. hey, he's sitting there, I'm talking with blood all coming out. The other guy's in the hospital bed with the belt. <laughs> I told Rochelle it wouldn't have surprised me if Horn went into a medical-induced coma. That's how bad he was getting he was beat up by Pacquiao. Like instantly, on, like he had one on his uh, temple, mm-hmm. just this huge bruise on the temple from the uh, the left. Obviously, Manny's a southpaw, um, but Manny has lost a step. Not as fast. It, it, boxers, one day they're good, and then it gets bad really, really, really quick. And this is tough because Manny Pacquiao is so important to the Philippines. Not only is that, well, not only that, he donates a lot of his money to charity. Back when Manny was Manny and the scariest mother effer you ever seen, he was gambling on cockfighting, cheating on his wife, uh, living that dangerous lifestyle. Now he, now he's Catholic, Christian, gives back to the Philippines, and it, it's really up to him to decide to walk away because he. He is still marketable, even though this wasn't pay-per-view. It was mm-hmm. on ESPN. Uh, what do you think of ESPN's first broadcast of top-ranked boxing? First off, I hate Stephen A. Smith. So once I saw him <laughs> on the show, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I, from a production value, they need a lot of work. But Atlas is cool. Atlas is fine. Always but, good. Yeah, Always I mean, good. Atlas is fine, but Atlas reminds me more of a WWE color commentator than an actual boxing but he is a boxing guy. He's, I know. He explains saying, it so well. Yeah, he does. He does. But he was good, as I said, from a production, like the, not the guys announcing it and stuff like that, but from a production value, there were a couple times where they should have gone to a different type of camera or a different type of angle. They went the wrong way a couple times. There was a couple times where they were getting too much bounce off of the sun itself. They didn't know how to They should have kept that. Bradley's attention better. I tell you. Uh, that. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying they, they, they needed better camera angles. They needed better Shots they needed, so just from production value, yeah, tighten it up. Yeah, they need to tighten it up. There was a part where Bradley was just—he looked lost as Teddy Atlas was talking to the camera, (laughs) and the only thing I could think of is he was remembering back in 2012 when he should have won. Oh, yeah. I, I thought he was like back in time where yeah. he, he shouldn't have won against Pacquiao or like right. was daydreaming it or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're going to go to a really quick uh, break. We're bringing our first guest back. Oh, you don't know the order? <laughs> Hold on one second. Well, uh, we're bringing our first guest, Pete Trevino Jr., and uh, we're going to learn about his background, how he got into ring announcing, which I think, and this is the God honest truth, I think is one of the coolest professions there is. I, I really do. I, I love. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one yeah. of the toughest jobs ever. And when people <laughs> when people say I could do it, I'd be like, try it. And you yeah. you would you would quickly decide you can't yeah. go through it. Uh, but in honor of uh, the Pacquiao situation, I sometimes pick songs based on the week. Uh, 
this goes out. By to the, the way, f- you picked a really weird song. I know, but really quickly, uh, this song goes out to the three judges in I Australia. Think I know which one? <laughs> it's uh, by the band Tonic. There was a song called "Open Up Your Eyes" yeah. way yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. So this goes out to you three people for not seeing the fight <laughs> the way the rest of the world did. Uh, we'll be back really quickly with Pete Trevino Jr. You're listening to the Undercard Hand Combat Radio. Welcome back to the Undercard, everybody. We are joined uh, by Ring Girl Kendra over there. We're going to talk to her in the second half of the show. Uh, but we're to our first guest, a guy that I absolutely enjoy working with. Uh, he's one of the best. Uh, Pete Trevino Jr., uh, official ring announcer for how many promotions? I don't know. Uh, Where, where's I your freelance. card? They're all on the back of the card. They were. I freelance now, so it's whoever calls me. <laughs> Uh, very good at what you do. Thank you, sir. Um, we sit off the air, and I'm going to say it on the air. Everybody thinks that job's easy. It I is. know for a fact <laughs> it is not. It is very easy. No. Andre, the PR guy for Salida, we saw him get thrown in uh, to the Wolves at an MMA show. I think Andre it was, was an announcer. Yeah, and we, we've talked about it. He goes, it isn't easy. You're in there, and you you feel all those... You you talked about these insecurities a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. All the, those eyes. All yes. those eyes are on you, and there's nothing – there's a lot of time that lapses. First off, tell us what it's like to be in the ring. Well, uh, the best way I can uh, say is I'm the biggest fight fan living the dream. That's the way I always describe it. I've, I'm not a fighter, obviously. I've been watching fights all my life since I was a kid. I've always wanted to have some type of part, but what I really wanted to do, and uh, Brad's heard me say this before, is be the guy from The Price is Right. Not Bob Barker, yeah, but the guy on the side who tells him who wins all the prizes. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that job. <laughs> I've right. always had just, hey, Pete, tell them what they won. You got a brand new car. Check right. it out. You know, I've always wanted to be that guy, Christina, to be quite honest with come you. on down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, you yeah. just won. You know, I've always wanted to be that guy. And my love for fighting had got me to the point where in 1995 I used to go to a lot of the local wrestling shows and there was a uh, local wrestler named Alan Brown whose fight name or his wrestling name was Skull Gans who actually at first put the microphone in my hand to announce uh, strictly it wasn't even because of the announcing to be honest with you uh, I'm a disc jockey by trade uh, obviously uh, you know this already yeah. but um all the shows back then, obviously, and even now, some of the local shows, they're real small in halls, in real small halls. And being the disc jockey, obviously, I had sound equipment with microphones so the wrestlers could use, as well as lights for an entrance so they could come out of their entrance. <laughs> so I started doing that. I started charging people for doing sound and lights. And then it turned down to where, like, kind of like you said, people couldn't do the announcing. They didn't want to do it. They didn't know how to fill in the time. In between, you know, that all the fighters take, you know, sometimes. Right. And the show demands, you know, you got to take a break here and there. So I decided to, you know, go into it like that through him. He was the first one to tell me, why don't you do it all? Why don't you announce? Why don't you do everything? And I said, you know what? Okay, I will. And that was back in 95. Yep. 1995, kids. <laughs> you know, you did, we're just born in 2000 <laughs> or something. That's Anybody? when I graduated high school. <laughs> in 95? Yeah. There you go. I graduated in 88. Okay. So that'll date me a little bit. <laughs> so uh, you, you do it. They're, they're renting almost your equipment. You're getting the jobs because of your equipment. But then there becomes a time when 
the equipment's already available to them. Talk talk to us about when it you were first years. hired. It took ten years. Ten years. Ten years in two thousand five, and I had been actually to the old Cronk Gym. Yeah, a couple times handing out cards after I'd been doing wrestling because I'd been doing wrestling since nineteen ninety five. Like I said, but it wasn't until I was working at United Airlines back in two thousand five. And uh, we happened to be in a rain delay where everybody's just had to work. You couldn't go home. It was called a freeze. You were frozen to work. And uh, the night midnight shift had happened to stay over. And there was a guy from the Kronk Gym who I had found out whose name was Tark Fikes. Tark Fikes. And he was a trainer at Kronk. And we were just sitting in the, in the break room. We were all in there. You know, everybody was just like, what the hell with this rain? Oh, man, we all got to wait. They wanted to go home. We were just getting in. And everybody was just in the break room. And there was something went on with a couple of the, uh, the workers. I forget who the two workers were, but then I just rattled off. I was like, in the United Blue, you know, working in the corner, this and that, you know, <laughs> putting chocks under the plane. And we just all had a good time. I broke the tension, and it was funny. And he had asked me. He was sitting right there, and he listened to the whole thing. He didn't say a word. And he said, did you ever do that, you know, for real? I said, yeah. I said, no, I do it for wrestling, man. I was like, I have a lot of fun with it. I wish I could get a boxing. He went right into his wallet. Pulled out his card, had his picture on it, said Tark Fikes Cronk Boxing Gym Trainer. I was like, man, I gave you a card a long time ago. I was like, <laughs> I was like somebody in there got my card. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to put you on. If you say what you can do, if you can do it right, we'll get you to bigger shows. And he put me on, I believe it was Joe Donofrio's show or Bill Kazersky. I don't know if you remember Bill Kazersky's yeah. shows, Fight Night at the Palace. Yep. And that was back in April, I believe it was, of 2005. He put me on an amateur show. Emmanuel Stewart paid me by check, my five hundred dollars. That's a rarity. I have it. Uh, I got it on my wall. Exactly. You got the check, yeah. I've got the check. I copied the check. It's got Emmanuel Stewart's autograph on his thing. You know, yeah. I blacked out the you know his address and all that stuff. But I have yeah. it on my wall in my little office or whatever. Oh, but uh, wow. yeah, it's a, it's a poster with with the check and everything. It was nine thousand people in attendance at the palace, and that was the first uh, big show I ever done. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, my Emmanuel story before we get back to you is that um, I always felt, you know, being around Emmanuel, um, you know, he, he knew my son, Aiden, and right before he got sick, it was really important for him, for Aiden to have a picture. You know that picture that he has of all his champions? Yes. And uh, she's seen it before. He wrote it, wrote the date. And this is like days before we found out he was sick and everything. Wow. But it was so weird. He was just like, I, I want Aiden to have this. And, and, you know, that's probably the most prized possession because it was very personalized that's to like awesome. your your son. You know what I'm saying? Emmanuel yeah. was fun to work with. He, he, was, he was, you know what? He was magical. Yep. Just anywhere he, he went. You know what I mean? Period. Lit up a room. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He, he was one of those people in the world. So first, he really was first night, and he and he puking, and he nervous. So I mean, you, you, you're no, you're that's talk- just you. Yeah, that's me. I get nervous. <laughs> I want to like vomit. And well, I, I don't want to sound. <laughs> but I honestly have never been nervous. I've been more excited because, like I said, it's you know I couldn't wait. I was like, really? I get to go into the ring? Let me do this. You're like the little kid is all giddy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like living the dream. It's like anybody that goes on stage at American Idol or anything like that. Like, hey, this is what I've been waiting for. And that, and that was really from day one, really in, in the wrestling. As soon as I got the microphone for that reason to announce, and here comes Skull Gans and, oh, Big Chuck and all these, you know, the wrestlers that got yeah. all them, them crazy colorful names, you know. It just was fun, and I just I took it from there, and I was like, I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to do it again, and it became somewhat of a job. I wish it was a job where I could say it was my job, right? but uh, it's not there yet. Well, speaking <laughs> of color, yeah. 
You have some of the craziest suit jackets. <laughs> it goes with show business. But you know what? I've seen announcers, they come out in their black outfits, you know, sort of subtle. Black tux, yeah. yeah. Right. And you you come out there and you've got sequins and you've got crushed velvet. He tries red, to match the ring girls. Matches the ring girls. I try, I try. He does. He'll be like, what color are they wearing? Oh, I got to go get my pink tie. Puts, and changes it right there. Well, now that you're talking about my attire, uh, ever since I first started, and you can see back in 2005 when I was on ESPN back then, even then when it was black, I would always wear a colored shirt. Nice. So I would wear a red shirt mm-hmm. right. or blue shirt with a black tie. And it just got to be where I was doing so much, I got more black tuxes. Believe it or not, right now in my closet, I have like five black tuxes. Wow. And it just got to be to where I was wearing this one, okay, and I would wear the next one and just in style and style and style. And then finally, I said, I'm doing this so much. Everybody sees me in the same color and everything. And all the pictures I was getting from all the, you know, everybody sent me a same. picture. They were all the same. I looked the same, and I couldn't even figure out. I was like, Which what event fight was, was that? that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's was that? what we do with the ring from? girls. That's why they change their outfits so much is that's because kind of that why way we started. kind of figure out, okay, well, that was that night. It, yep. It's kind of why it started. And then uh, it mostly started to wear... Um, when I was doing like XCC as well, I got like the red jacket and all this stuff. I started. I did the red jacket mostly for all the Canadian fighters. I know a lot of Canadians because the XCC had Battle of the Border. Yeah, from Port Huron and Woody uh, Woody James. You know, I don't know if you guys know Woody. Do you guys from? I, Can- I know his name, but never met yeah. him. Yeah. Well, you know him and Mike, uh, him and Matt Flynn. You know, got together like did the Battle of the Borders back then, which was also on TV Twenty back in the day. I did yep. a little stint and did all that stuff. And that's when I was like, man, I met all the Canadian fighters and all the Canadian clubs and everything. And that is, they're great, you know, up there in Canada. And then I started doing Canada fights now, too. And they really love the red jacket. So it just escalated <laughs> from there. And then I started, I Dang didn't want to wear the red jacket all the time. I was like, I need another color. And it went to green and it went to blue and then the gold and then the sequence and, you know, whatever. It just goes from there. You can write, <laughs> you kind can of, write it off. It's your job. Yes, I do. And I do. Write them all. It's kind of funny because before we actually started the ring girls working as ring girls, we used to go and watch amateur wrestling. Um, what was the, the name of that promotion? Metro Pro Wrestling, maybe? It could have been. MPWA, I think so. Yeah, MPW, and they were yeah, and they were on Channel Twenty. They started doing it live, but we we started going there and doing like little bits with the wrestlers in between the fights. God, it was in a a warehouse in Lincoln Park. Yep, mm-hmm. it was crazy. A flea market, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in the back room of a flea market in Lincoln but Park. That's but it all starts. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Little bitty, yeah. Closet. Yeah. Well, the wrestling promotion that I went to most recently was International Big Time Wrestling with, uh, with Rudy. Rude Boy, I don't know if you guys know. Do you guys know anything about pro wrestling? Do you guys yeah. know, were you ever we, into it, the local scenes anyway? A little bit. We, we're, we're, they just had their 10th anniversary show uh, about a month ago out at uh, the Token Lounge. Man, it was really great. They brought in some of the old guys. Greg DeHammer Valentine. Oh, there's okay, there's yeah, a little story. Yeah, yeah. You see how you guys, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my first pro wrestling things, uh, I announced... Dan Severn, and this picture is on oh, my I know Facebook. Dan. Dan Severn versus Greg the Hammer Valentine in nice. Wyandotte, Michigan through Metro Pro Wrestling. Okay. Okay. And I took a picture and I got the picture of my hair. I'm young. My hair, this is like 95, 96. Right. You know, my hair is all slicked back and everything. It's all black. <laughs> and I got the picture and I've had that picture on my wall with a bunch of the other boxers and fighters that I have on my wall. And uh, Rudy Hill just uh, did that promotion and he put that he was putting Greg the Hammer Valentine in there. 
So I bought tickets to the show. I grabbed my picture off the wall, and I went and I talked to him again. He looked at it, and he was like, wow, I was young there. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you look the same. <laughs> I was like, how the hell can you tell you're so young? I mean, I swear they look exactly the same. Yeah. I don't think he's doing Botox or any plastic surgery or anything, but, man, that dude hasn't aged. Nope. I swear to you, if you ever meet Greg the Hammer Valentine, he looks exactly like he does in <laughs> shape and everything, man, hair, everything. Well, the, the network uh, uh, is heavily involved with XICW. Yep. Yeah. So we, yeah. we've done a yep. lot of shows Extreme and stuff intense, with them. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I know uh, I did them too, Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yeah. That's one of the ones I started with. Yeah. Malcolm Monroe yep. paid yeah. me yep. as well. DBA. Yep. I did that. Yeah, we did yeah. all those hardcore shows. No, Malcolm yeah. is father, but I'm saying Senior now it's DBA. And, yeah. yeah, that's and his son. I, I announced and, DBA. Yeah. DBA yeah. was on those shows. Yeah. When Malcolm Flying, Monroe used to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, I just made contact to, uh, yesterday with one of the other guys, uh, one of the managers, handsome Johnny Bradford. I don't know his real name. Uh, yep. Johnny, the tennis yeah. racket guy. Yeah, yeah. the yes. tennis racket guy. Yeah. Yeah. Handsome Johnny Bradford. I, yeah. He just made contact with me over one of my Facebook posts, uh, which was yesterday, <laughs> uh, my firework posts that uh, got a bunch of attention. He he He's good. He, he has a really cool character, way, the way he struts with that, that yeah. tennis racket and everything like that. The pro wrestling scene, the indie pro wrestling scene here in Michigan is awesome. And people Amazing. really don't realize it. You know what I mean? If you like the wrestling, the WWE stuff, that's fine and dandy. That's all the pro, and that's like a, a moving comic book or whatever you want right. to say, an ongoing comic book, which is great. But you really should come to one of these local shows yeah. and be one of the hundred people that come there. I mean, they're really small. And it's small. the same people. Yeah. They it's are awesome. diehard yeah. fans. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, it is. And, you know, it's, it's just a great time. I took my grandkids yeah. to this last show, and they had a ball, man. <laughs> yeah, we, his son was really, really into it. He had a few favorites. Yeah, Luke crazy. Crank back in the Luke day Crank. and everything. But... We were down at the Arnold one time, and we got to be as close as you could to the ring for uh, WWE's Next. And that's when we really appreciated what XICW did because the difference in how they try to make it believable, the locals, right? because they really get injured, to seeing up close WWE where you were like, it wasn't as believable, but yet they were the high end. But you know, at the local scene, right. they're willing to get bloody. They're willing mm-hmm. to to take it to the and they're willing to do it for fifty bucks and stuff. You know, you, the, the promoters <laughs> that promote these wrestling guys, you know, they call them pro wrestlers, and you know, being a pro is all it is is getting paid. You know what I mean? Right. right. But people don't realize some of these wrestlers they they call themselves pros. They're just doing it for the publicity on their you know on their social media because they ain't going nowhere. They're just right. doing these little shows. They're doing it for the crowd. And they're getting twenty bucks, fifty bucks. Right. And it's like, man, come and support these guys, man. <laughs> right. so maybe he can get twenty five bucks. Right. Look them up. Jeez. <laughs> like, you know, the more you pay, you know, the more people that come in there, that's how they get paid. Mm-hmm. So you're doing shows and these guys are doing pro pro um Pro moves, you know. Yeah, you got these local shows, guys jumping off the top rope, jumping into and out of the ring, and yeah. doing all kinds of stuff. And like you said, they're getting hurt. We had a guy from Metro Pro Wrestling, and I, and I use that name a lot because that's the the people that I actually helped start. John Bubba Atkins, uh, I named him Bubblelicious and everything. He's still using that name to this day. Is that is that the pork chop? Um, pork chop? No, 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 no. It's a different guy. He's in the manager. I don't you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the managers that comes out with him. <laughs> yeah. But John Bubba, John Bubba Atkins is a promoter of Metro Pro Wrestling. He's been doing it for whatever, a lot of years. And he's the guy. Um, I forgot. I lost my train of thought of what we were talking about, uh, Metro Pro Wrestling. But uh, they do a lot of good stuff. And I, I, I mentioned them a lot, and I forget what I was going to say. What were we just talking about? 
uh, yeah, getting the, paid pro wrestling. Oh yeah, these guys. You know, they get, a lot of them get paid on the attendance. Yeah. So it's please support them. Come out there. They're doing the regular same moves and stuff, and you get right up close. You know, yeah. support these guys so they're not making twenty five and fifty bucks. Right. You know, come on. Well, that's See, that's I don't remember thing. if we if yeah. they charge to get into the token lounge. Or not the token lounge, but the place that was right behind it. Yeah, a lot of these wrestling shows they only charge like five and ten yeah. bucks to get in, fifteen bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, "Man, sh- trying to sneak in," and it's ridiculous to yeah. me. It's like, "Come on, support these guys." Yeah, right. support them when you buy their merchandise too. That too right. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we went away with uh, oh my gosh, uh, Mister uh, Mavado. Yes, Mavado. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I got my grand my grandkids right off the bat. You know, they were like, "Oh, I like him," and I was like, yeah. "Sweet, he's the best one." Yeah. <laughs> his son has so his mask on yeah. his. We bought T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. I bought them for my grandkids. But that's what I'm trying to say. You know, we need more people to do that. You know, these local wrestlers deserve it. You know, I'm in Michigan, anyways. I, I love the scene. You know, oh yeah. I don't go to many shows because I'm always working. Right. You know, but uh, but I love watching it. You know what I mean? When I see the stuff, you know. Jimmy, you were going to have something about pro. No, no, I was just going to say XICW. I mean, what's great about it is they have such a diehard following, and yep. I think the last three shows that we've been to have been beyond sold out. Like they had sold out, and then was still trying to like yep, get going. some more Stand people in there. Only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I hope well, their combo the, show does the ba- good, man. The, the best thing, though, especially I love about XICW when they're at the Imperial House is when you have a wedding on the other side of the barricade, <laughs> and then you have like the wedding parties kind of like moving in. Yeah. Wrestlers sneak into the wedding and they're drinking and eating and yeah. it's kind of funny. Yeah, you got all of a sudden a guy in a speedo walking by your wedding party, getting ready to go in the ring all greased well, there up. Was that, there was that one wedding where both the bride and the groom were like huge wrestling fans, yeah, so and like in the middle of their wedding, they left and came over to watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> they're funny. just she's in her dress, he's in his tux. Yeah, XICW awesome. yeah. does all the hardcore stuff too, yeah. which a lot of people like. I mean, if, if you like that kind of stuff, you yeah. got to pay for that ticket. Yeah, see, we I don't believe that we've made it over to any of their shows at the Ritz. It's hardcore. No. That's that's the adult show, would, right? That, that, yeah. uh, and that's just it. We've only usually have one of our, our three of our kids with us, so we're always at the Imperial and, House when they would do it. But I hear that the Ritz shows are a little bit more intense. Yes, yeah. with I'm no sure. room with no room in the ceiling. I'm sure. Yeah, they're at home. <laughs> they're always tight. We uh, we got to see DBA go against uh, Sabu. Sabu, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was just recently. Flaming. That was like last week, wasn't it? No, that no, was no, like no, a couple, couple years, years ago. ago. Three yeah. years ago. I mean, he might have done it again, but you know, we're talking about a couple years. <laughs> I ago. I think they're advertising Sabu coming for something because yeah. I just seen a picture of him. And DBA, his finishing move is he lights his elbow on fire with lighter fluid and goes down, but it it backfired. It didn't work the first so, time. The first time. Yeah. So the the match had to continue longer, and he had to relight the. Same elbow again with lighter fluid. And hey, Jimmy, and, hey, hey, Jimmy, that's a Coke, man. That's not a beer. This is a yeah, beer I bell. I know. It, it says beer. Clearly says beer right here. I've been ringing it all the time. And he, <laughs> and he hit Sabu, and then I remember talking with DBA after, and you could see what it did to his elbow to oh, do yeah. it the second time again oh. with the lighter fluid. Did and it, it's it the same elbow oh, every yeah. time. And because the, cause what, usually when he does it, he soaks in lighter fluid. He hits it, and then it goes out, and that's done. And he can wipe the lighter fluid off. But because it went out before he he hit him, his elbow was soaked in lighter fluid. So when he lit it again, it went through the, the thing and just caught all on his skin. Yeah. But yeah, he, but that's DBA, man. He can I take know, it. he's hardcore. Dedication, he's hardcore. dedication. <laughs> uh, so the pro wrestling debuts and then the moving to boxing. And then what I like to always tell people, the sports are different, MMA and boxing, but behind the scenes are the same. 
But they're behind the scenes. They're the same. Same announcers, same commissions. Yeah. You know, the promoters run the th- same thing. And you found your way. Yeah, I know. MMA. A lot of promoters are different. You know that. Well, yeah. Promoters run the shows differently. Come on, Brad. You you got to know that. Uh, <laughs> we love all the promoters. Yes, but, we do. But they all run it differently. Yes, they do. I, I love them all, too. <laughs> I love them all. Every promoter. I uh, love them. Uh, so you got involved in MMA with boxing. What was your first MMA promotion? In, uh, first know? MMA promotion was 2008 with XCC, Extreme Cage Fighting Championship, Matt Flynn's uh, thing. But let me let me talk about the oh, – she was talking about the black tuxedos and stuff. Yeah. Just a little sidebar. Um, I recently did Showtime a couple months ago for the Clarissa Shields fight, and you guys were there. Yep. If you'll notice, I had a black tuxedo on there. That was the first time I wore a black tuxedo in a long time. And that was through the request of Showtime. Yes. Well, it's a special event. Yep. Just saying. The, the, uh, from what I, I didn't get the, I didn't get these words specifically from Showtime. I got them from uh, the matchmaker who was doing all the correspondence with us. But they, uh, they want their guy to wear a black tuxedo because they don't want the announcer to take any flair or any kind of uh, attention focus. away, focus, from any part of the show, especially the fighters. I know your your whole performance that night was a little bit more subdued as well. Yeah, for sure. For, I, I knew <laughs> that for Showtime, I had to keep it down. I couldn't let my Detroit out, you know. <laughs> but but on, on the on the regular shows, you see, I'm I'm a little I'm dancing, I'm joking, and whatever. But and also with the Showtime show, they had the microphone; it was in one spot, yeah. and that's the next reason. I know that's why because they don't want people doing their their. Jumping around, their Bruce buffers, you right, know, spinning yeah. and jumping. So they had the microphone, the old school microphone, just come yeah. down and it's in one spot. You can't move; you can only move it up or down. Right. So they know exactly where you're going to be, and the shot's only going to be on you. That's so classic boxing, though. You know, yeah, Rocky, it, it came down like that. So you, the number one thing is get in front of an audience, controlling an audience. Number three has to be you got to get a catchphrase, and you got a couple of them <laughs> that are really, really good. And Think they about. Are- Yours, yeah, and they're yours. Thank you. Thank uh, you. It's time to throw down, which yeah. is really cool. Thank and you. then uh, the three rounds or less, the five rounds or less yeah. uh, for MMA, yep. the ten rounds or less, twelve rounds or less for boxing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. How how those come about? In you, you know, you need a catchphrase. Uh, there's so another one on the back with? of my shirt. Believe it or not. Yeah. Oh, we got blood. Yeah. yeah. I use that mostly for MMA, obviously, MMA. But, <laughs> yeah. but I do. I have said it in boxing. Uh, We've got blood just started with me. I'm like, oh man, we're um, Matt Flynn. Actually, XCC. When I first started mixed martial arts, I guess that's when I would start saying adding flair to the job, because we were talking about it. I honestly believe you, Jimmy, Rochelle, anyone can do it, Brad. Honestly, I believe anybody could do the fight part of it. It's all about getting the fights from the promoter or from the the matchmaker, and reading off their stats. So technically anyone can do it, and that's what a lot of uh, fight announcers I seem to see look and do. You know, I, I can hear it just by listening to them on, on things like, hey, this guy didn't, he didn't study his fighters, you know, just by the way he looks and the way they gave him the sheet. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, I think anybody can do it. It's, it. I think it is that easy, and I don't, I don't really think it's a job. It's, to me, it's, it's the it's most fun, fun I can yeah. have. Personally, it's the most fun I can have anywhere. I don't care about going off-roading or going to play racquetball or, you know, anything like that, golfing. The most fun I can have as a person for me is being in that ring. Now, see, I think of it almost as like a comedian stand-up act. Like, you have to have your own, like, niche with it. And you, like you said, you have to 
you have to understand to a certain extent what you're in there for, whether it be, you know, you got to know who that fighter is and a little, just a smidge about them. I try to meet every fighter. That uh, went, uh, Jimmy just asked me about how do I do all the, the foreign fighters. And he asked me a couple minutes ago. And I try to meet every fighter, but sometimes the fighters aren't available. They don't right. make themselves available. They'll lock their dressing room right. door, and like it's not there. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to find somebody. Yeah. Exactly. And, and sometimes it's even when you go to the weigh-ins, because a lot of times when I miss information, it, it'll be when I didn't go to the weigh-ins or when I'll have minimal information. Mm-hmm. But I'll always add the information, like the trunk stuff, you know, stuff like that. That's stuff that I add just from doing it all the time. I don't care, you know, if I if I met the guy or if I seen the guy, I know what color trunks he's going to come in when he comes into the thing. So I add that. Right. And if usually a lot of times if I see something on their shirts as a, as the trainers come in, and they don't have anything on their sheet, and they're from you know X Y Z boxing club. Right. Mm-hmm. That's when you'll see me in the ring. I'm like, okay, come on, <laughs> boxing club. Let's <laughs> yeah. in there, and then I'll come in. And that's the that's the beauty of double introductions as well. What people don't see, they see on the camera. They only see the the final introduction. But the beauty for announcers is if you mess it up the first time, you should be able to get it right the second time. Because I can say, hey, Bob Smith, and that's the first introduction. He'll come and do his music and get into the ring. Then Jim Jones, and he'll do his music and get into the ring. Well, while Jim Jones is making his come into the ring, I'll go up and ask Bob Smith, hey, Bob Smith, hey, uh, is this all correct? Did you fill out your own sheet? Hey, is this, is this your wins? Is this your losses? Are you from Boston, Massachusetts? And here in the red corner right. we yes. have. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. and then I'm here like, y'all, no, I'm not from Boston, man. I'm from Philadelphia. Like, oh, okay. I'm like, somebody <laughs> yeah. had you from Boston. Right. Hey, we flew in from Boston. Yeah. Like, oh, man, like, geez. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do a lot of that in the ring, believe it or not. So, right. And, it really doesn't matter, and as long as you can rattle it off the same, that's when it comes off. Ladies and gentlemen in the red corner, wearing the blue trunks trimmed in red, <laughs> standing five feet eight inches tall, he weighed in at one hundred and seventy-five pounds, and he just got it all. Just, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Jim, just fun. Jimmy's got to do what's on tap here in one second, but uh, do you remember uh, the guy that he might be? The, he said he was the grandson of Jack Dempsey. He he used the name Dempsey, but he also on Box Rec his his Goes real name was name. I think it was Trombley or something maybe. Hmm. Um, but I remember asking him, and he would not give me a straight answer. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is going on Fight News. It's read by millions of people. Okay. I go, I'm not an investigative reporter. Tell me what your name is, you know. And he goes, I'm a Dempsey, and I'm like, I'm going to write it that way. And, and then once it in, it's in print, you live with it. But like he would not give the straight answer. But when you looked him up, he had a different last. That was name. a Carlos fight. Uh, no, no, that was at the Masonic Temple. That was uh, it was a Salida fight. Uh, yeah, it was that was a Salida was fight. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yep. it was. Yeah. yeah, it was at the Masonic Temple. Yeah. But I remember the Williams were at Thomas McGee's. He was in no talking he mood. Did. But I, as a journalist, I'm like, yeah. just give me something to work with here. What mm-hmm. is your name? You, you know, and I, I like, help me to help you. Yeah, exactly. Help me to help no, you. But, tell him who you are. But that's right. when he sends me over, yeah. and he's like, go get this guy's information. See, go they, ask him what he wants they, to be called by. They, 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 they missed it. You just should have sent the ring girl over. It's like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to put my number No, the ring girls, they were not allowed to move off stage and not stop Oh, that's smiling. right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going to go really right. quickly what's to what's tap? on tap. And, uh, Do you want to go to a break? Okay. Yeah, yeah once on break, and we'll be back with Pete Trevino Jr. Get to meet our new ring girl. Sweet. Right. Hi, Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, of course, my f- laptop is here we go. All right. There we go. Okay. Ah. All right, once again, this is What's on Tap, sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company. Uh, Not a whole lot going on in the boxing world this week. Uh, July 7th, 
at Tampa on Telemundo. We have Sammy Valentin versus Giovanni uh, Satalin. It's the 10 rounds for the welterweights. Uh, moving on to, let's see, we're going to move on to MMA. July 7th, UFC, the Ultimate Fighter Season 25 finale at the T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States. Uh, we also have on July 8th, UFC 213, Noons versus Shevenko at uh, the T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. That is also the one that if you get the UFC Fight Pass, you'll be able to see Cody Stamen on. Uh, Mr. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. Mm. Uh, on the UFC Fight Pass. He won't be on the... Uh, the prelims, it'll be on the, the Fight Pass uh, solely. And July 11th, uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series Week 1 at the UFC Training Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States. I actually didn't even know this was a thing until I found this thing. And I'm like, so Dana White's doing a Contender Series. And it's also only on Fight Pass. You can't. It's not going to be on Fox or on FX or anything like that. It's just on Fight Pass, and I guess it's just it'll probably be on YouTube, won't it? I I don't I don't know if it'll be on YouTube, but from what I gathered when I looked it up was that it's basically going to be like no name up and comers from around the country. There'll we be know five fights. Them. No, this is. Cody's actually fighting for the no, UFC. No, 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 no. I, we, we know someone who's going to be in the Dana White oh, are, do Contender you? Series. Oh, okay. James Gray. James Gray. Um, oh, is he? Yes, yeah. he is. Oh, good. Thank he, God. He announced it, didn't he? He put it on yep. Facebook. Oh, thank God. Yes. Okay, so that, it, is it going to be on week one, do we know? Uh, he's fighting in five weeks. So in I don't five know weeks, okay. Week one, but it's on Tuesday night. It's on, uh, yeah, next Tuesday night is the, the, the premiere. So. Go James, go SFS. Go James, go SFS. Go what, Brad, what are the three things about it, or what are the three uh, truths truce in life? Uh, death, taxes, and SFS wins. Absolutely. All right. Like We're going to go to a quick right. song break, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to the Undercard, Hand Combat Radio. Welcome back to the Undercard. We're joined by uh, Pete Trevino Jr., ring announcer for many promotions. Um, also, got the best seat in the house. That's the coolest thing about our job, <laughs> for I, sure. I, I'm trying to, you know, they put us up in a press box again, Toledo, and I refuse to cover another Toledo show if they do that. But I took for granted. Nobody puts Brad in a corner. No one puts us in a, <laughs> in a balcony. <laughs> Nobody puts Brad in a balcony. They put right. Bob Ryder up there, the photographer, too. No. He had to do long lens. Yeah. It, uh, well, um, how many, Al Heyman. Uh, did they have a, I was going to say they probably had their own photographer then, right? Yeah. Al Heyman does it his own way, PBC, and the Premier Boxing Champions does it that way, you know. But me and Bob had fun up there. But there is quite a, a difference. Having watched in the last six years every fight – that I, uh, if the ring guard girls are working or if I'm writing for Fight News sitting next to it, then all of a sudden someone throws you far away from it. You're like, whoa, whole different world. Yeah. You know? For sure, for sure. I've, I've, had, uh, I've had places where I went and I didn't have a seat, though. All oh, honesty, yeah, that happens. As all the announcer. The time. As yeah. the announcer, you know, you go you go up there and you look and you That's say, okay. That's where you sit in the neutral corner. Because, you know, Brad, Brad, you know as well as I do, sometimes they, they have names and sometimes they don't. You know what I mean? And, you know, when they don't have names, I kind of just wait or I'll ask, well, who's are these, you know? And I'll just take pretty much the closest seat to the opening of the cage right. or the ring, uh, the ring, either way, either or. Now, see, the, I believe that you, the commission, 
uh, you know, the judges and the doctors, that should be ringside, period. Not such and such's wife just to sit there. Uh, it just, I'm it's not seeing that in a while, I uh, well, well, I'll be honest. Here's the next thing. Uh, sometimes I have somebody that comes with me, whether it be a driver, assistant, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I tell the promoter or whoever is corresponding with me, whether it's the matchmaker or promoter, whoever's uh, asking me to come to their show, I will always tell them I need two seats ringside. Yeah. But it's not always, as of late, it's not always just for me and my person. Because sometimes, uh, like if you'll notice, like at Salida shows or the Detroit shows, I usually come by myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'll always ask, like, uh, make sure to get two seats. Because of the facts, like sometimes, like the shirts that I throw out and things like that, get us where to put it. Exactly, I'd like to right. bring those people down there and have the undercard girls when they throw it as far as you can. So somebody that paid twenty five, thirty dollars and sitting way up at the top, if you can reach it up there, and I see that person catch my shirt, mm-hmm. I'm bringing that guy with my shirt all the way down to sit in my chair mm-hmm. ringside, so we can get a better look at that fight nice. for one fight. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So yeah, we're, that's we're spoiled. Like I can't even <laughs> right? imagine sitting far away from a fight anymore. Oh yeah, oh gee, yeah, it's I wouldn't crazy. know anything about that. Oh. <laughs> well, that, what he's exactly talking about is uh, when Jimmy gets a ticket. Normally, his is further away than mine, but mm-hmm. normally I'm writing mm-hmm. or doing something you're a sitting, little bit more. You're usually sitting ringside. Here's the I know. Next thing. Yeah. I take that with a little bit of responsibility because I'm sure you've seen me as well. I'll also, uh, the responsibility of sitting in that seat and then also just being the ring announcer, I'll go around to people that are uh, standing up in the front row watching a fight. I'll go right over to that person and say, hey, can you please sit down? The the people people behind you can sit, you know what I mean? And I'll do that as well to some of the trainers that are in the corners. That, you know, there's seats right there. In some occasions, sometimes there's not, and and the trainer's got to, you know, stand up or kneel down or whatever. But I'll, I'll tell the trainers too. Hey, man, you got to sit down. You know that's it's the rules. You know he can hear you just as good if you sit down. You know you, you're yelling at the same pitch. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Sit down. There's people that paid a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks to sit in that front row, and you're in front of them, bro. You know? uh, one of my favorite memories of you. Don't know where this was because we've we've worked together so often. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Is a fight broke out in the audience. Oh man! And you, and you, you, you <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down. Yeah, but Pete, oh, man. Pete, Pete is great with this because he 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 automatically will always get on the mic and say, "Hey, you know." knock it off, don't ruin it for other people right. or, or fight in the ring or something like this. <laughs> yeah. But at this one show, somebody said something to you. You were, I believe it might have been Crystal Gardens or somewhere. I think it was Crystal Gardens, the fight zone or something. I can't remember. But you you were ready to, he said something to you. <laughs> you said something back to him. I'm and you're right. like, you're like, I'm not above getting out of the ring and that was, I believe, uh... <laughs> kicking your butt, dude. And I was just like, yeah, well, Pete, you know, buddy. <laughs> I've, if, uh, that's actually happened a couple times, but one time I, I actually let a cuss word fly on the microphone, which I try not to do so right. hard. But uh, this one time, yeah, a guy got to me, and you know, you get, you're going to deal with hecklers, and people are all going to say, you got people right there in the front row, you suck, and stuff like right. that. Like, hey, where's this guy, or something, you know? Right. It's like, oh, you just deal with him, you just kind of look away. But yeah, that was in, uh, I believe that was for Jake Short's. Michigan, uh, Michigan Fight League. Okay, he did a couple of those shows and um, Lincoln Park. Then, right? yeah, Lincoln, yeah. Lincoln Park on Outer Drive. Actually, it yep. was at uh, one of the, the Knights of Columbus Hall, I believe it was, and there was a good turnout. And uh, there, people started fighting. You know, and like you said, I tried to calm it down. Like, hey, come on, you guys, somebody break that up. You know, you know, whenever if you fight outside of the cage, you're a punk ass. Period. Yep. You know, just to, just to right. get everybody. Hey, everybody, don't look at them guys. Come right, on, look right. at the fight here. Come, you know, respect these fighters. That type of stuff. 
But I, I forget what he said. Now, and, and, and I got off the microphone, <laughs> and I ready. was like, "Hey, bro!" I was like, "Off the microphone!" I put the microphone down. I, I was think like, you "Hey, took bro!" Your jacket off too. You better, you better chill out, bro. I was <laughs> like, you know, I was like, "You're talking to the wrong guy." <laughs> I think I said something like that, and then he was like, "F you" or something like that. I'll beat your ass out, and I got it right in the microphone. I was like, "Hey." I ain't just a little pretty announcer, brother. I'll beat your ass, you know. And I, I let the f bomb fly. I beat yeah. your f, you know. I was like, and then Jake Short came to me at the end of the show. He's like, "Hey, man, that wasn't cool." I mean, I was like, "I'm sorry. I apologize. It just it just came out." I was like, "Really close to my house. I live in E-Courses, Lincoln Park." I was like, "I don't even know what happened, Jake. I'm sorry." I thought it was cool. I was just like, "Hey, look at it. He's like he's sticking up for the the thing." It always amazes me. People pay good money to see fights, right? Yeah. There's a fight going on in the boxing ring, but something breaks out in the audience, everyone turns to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. What it's going crazy. on? And forget about the fights that are happening in the ring. Because because, they, because outside the ring, there's no hold bar. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. exactly. Anything can happen. They like yeah. that fight better than they do the one they paid to get into. Well, and plus you got to like make sure it's not going to hedge your way. Right. I, That's the other thing. Aside from all that, I've always wondered, like, what are these people thinking fighting at a fight? I yeah, mean, you don't know who you're fighting. This no, guy, right. this <laughs> dude just saying, man. You know, you, you know. Yeah, they're sitting in the audience, but they train with that guy up there. You know. Yeah, meanwhile, you got you got the guy that's never been in the gym and the tap out shirt. I don't care yeah. what you say, bro. Yeah. Step, bro. Come on. Yeah. Want to go, bro? Let's go, yeah. bro. Come on, bro. And the dude in the, in the little alligator eyes on, you know, with his glasses <laughs> on, like you better get away from me. Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> that's the guy you got to worry yeah, about. Exactly. He's that's the guy that's gonna whoop your especially butt. at a fight. That's yeah, what I'm exactly. saying. When fights break. Out in the audience, I'm like, you guys are idiots, and they yeah. always, they always got to have to know each other in some yeah. sense because, I mean, at, at a fight is the one place where I, if I stepped on somebody's shoe or something like yeah, that, I would I'd be like, hey, bro, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry, yeah. no, I apologize. Yeah, let me buy your beer. Let me buy your beer. Yeah, there's two dollars towards your pop, man. I'm sorry, I apologize. I mean, have a good time, enjoy the fights. You know, it ain't some place you want to step up to somebody you don't know. Right. Like, dude, what's up? You stepped on my shoe. You know, yeah. like no. knock you up real quick. Yeah. Whap, whap, whap. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> like, look at you here, pretzel two, three, down. <laughs> See, dude, come on, Billy. I told you, y'all, you're a pretzel, bro. It's like he's all got you wrapped up. <laughs> I knew you would remember that fight. That, that's yeah. one of my first uh, Pete memories. That's when I. That's I believe that was the first time I ever cursed or cussed or however you want to call it on the microphone, and and, and I've learned from it. <laughs> Do you curse in real life? Does oh, it come out a lot? Oh yeah. So, uh, Jimmy my also. Kid, my, my kids don't even know what, what I sound like when I'm cursing. Like, <laughs> is my name really shit? <laughs> yeah. Jimmy comes from uh, a theater background too. That yeah. that's the toughest transition for me. Is that because away from the mic, I do swear, you right. know, and it's tough. It's man. tough because yeah. like you he get has comfortable. His favorite words. Yeah, you get comfortable and it slips, and you're like, I don't know if that was appropriate at all. If, <laughs> if, you, if you check my social media, I try not to even type bad words. But yesterday, yeah. yesterday got to me. You know, I don't mind. Fireworks. I don't do it. Yeah, the fireworks got to me yesterday, and I, you know, I was like, uh, they didn't get to me. The people got to me, mm. and I used the f bomb on my post. But it's crazy. I, like I said, check my social media. I try not to curse too much, even in type. But when I do say something like that, or when I go off, like you're supposed to, I believe that's what Facebook is for. You know, is like to have it's your, your own, own personal stuff. Box. Exactly, it's, it's your own TV channel or whatever. 
And, and I listen to everybody else go off, but, you know, people just don't know how to use it. Because I listen to stuff, and I disagree and agree, and I don't hit like or unlike. I just look at it and say, hey, whatever. It's the people that always have to comment on something that they don't like. Well, Those that's are. what he likes. He he likes to read people's comments. Yeah. Whether Especially on, on YouTube. YouTube. YouTube, they're fun. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> they're great, dude. I, I just discovered. Bunch of keyboard warriors. I mean, come I just on. discovered Clint Eastwood as the sniper. Have you seen that no, video? No, 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 not not Clint Eastwood. Who is it? That's Chuck uh, Chuck Norris. Oh yeah, it's Chuck Norris as a sniper. <laughs> it, Dude, how can you confuse Chuck Norris and Clint Eastwood, it's, man? It's, They're both yeah. very. Cool. I'm going to tell your son. <laughs> did you did you did you look at the? Not yet. Okay, but the sniper one, which we'll, we'll play for you guys well, you here in a second. It's, it's yeah, a visual it's thing. a visual thing. It's we'll visual do it on our thing. next break. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't. I think that's the funniest thing I've Basically ever seen what it on the is, internet. It's a no, no, no. Don't ruin it. You, you, they just got to see it. I'll find okay. it. You just got to see <laughs> All right. it. Okay. Um, but Pete, uh, boxing, MMA, out of the two sports, do you have a favorite? Ah, uh, I. I'll be honest. This is the way I'll put it. MMA, without a doubt, is a little more exciting as a sport. Mm-hmm. Hopefully everybody thinks that way. But I've been watching boxing so long as a kid, following the local boxers and stuff like that so long. If I had to choose to announce only one, it would be the boxing, I'll be honest with you. Right. I like that sport a little bit more. In all honesty, just you know, the throwing the hands, the pugilism, just mm-hmm. hey, the only thing that's going to happen is it going to be knocked out, or somebody's you know, there's going to be a decision. So there's only two ways to come out of it. You know what I mean? And, and that decision, it doesn't matter one win or lose or whatever. Both of those guys, to me, are warriors. Right. It doesn't matter if they had the guts just to step in the ring and they got knocked out in the first round. Hey, man, I I applaud you. And I'm glad I watched. I don't care. Even the fights that were just terrible back in the day. And like, why is this guy in there? And all the uh, fighters or, or all the fans are just like, dude, boo-boo, and throwing stuff, you know. I still respected both of those fighters. I don't care how bad he got whipped in two seconds. He took the knockout or whatever. He shouldn't have been in the ring. But I still respect that guy. You know what I mean? It, it takes a different breed to get in there. And yeah. we're, we're blessed from being from Detroit because the alumni from Detroit's amazing. Oh, amazing. If you think if you think about who sits with us ringside all the time. Who supports that? I mean, those are the people that support the sports. It's pretty still. amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, Milton McCrory alone. And then you got Tommy. Tommy's always at all the boom, fights boom Johnson, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Tommy Hearns, Tommy right. Boom Johnson, and all, all those people. They all still <clears> support. All Tarek Salmasi, Bronco McCart, who may, uh, who's actually on the, uh, the commission, commission now. now. Which, now that we're talking about that, I was honestly thinking, and it's funny we should bring it up here, and you should help me. I don't know what i got to do, but I would like to have some type of official status, whether it's a timekeeper or it's a, it's a judge or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to get maybe involved in doing something with the state because a lot of people tend to talk junk about the state of Michigan who have nothing to do with the officials. And the officials that I know are all good people. Right, and they're all swamped as far as I can see with all these shows and stuff like that, and they need more people. Right. So uh, now that I'm on radio, I'll, I'll go out in public and say I'd, I'd like to do something with the officials. Uh, I'd like to do something in that sense, be a judge, be a timekeeper. Right. Go on the commission in some sense. Well, the state doesn't pay me, so I, I go after the state every two seconds. There's two rules. There's, <laughs> the state don't pay me either. Exactly. But I, yeah, I don't like to ruffle the feathers either. But I, and I honestly oh, we think will. here's yeah, something about the state. This is crazy, and it's crazy for me to say because it's just stupid in a sense. But Ohio and Florida, and I'm not sure about any other states, you have to have a license through the state to be an announcer. Right. You have to pay, I think it was 35 bucks or something like that. 
Michigan doesn't have that. And me being an announcer, it's stupid for me to say, but I think it should be. You should be licensed in order to talk in front on the microphone. I think so. Public announcer. You should have a public address uh, thing. Whatever the credentials you'll need for it, because I really don't have you know paper credentials. I've just got years of experience on the microphone doing weddings and DJing and you know doing all these fights now. But there should be some type of credentials you need through the state in order to be a public announcer at something like this. It's my opinion. And I know Florida had it. I had to do it on the spot in Florida. I had, I had to do uh, I forget the guy's name. In Ohio, I had to do it you know, the day before and everything. Mm-hmm. It's just a fee. It's just a license you pay to, to the state of Michigan. And who's to know about it if it's not a sanctioned fight anyways? Right. But it just be something you know to be registered as a public address announcer. That way the state can also guarantee my money because I'm sure you know sometimes we wait in those lines at the money. And anybody who does a professional fight has to have some money liquid into, into you know into the promotion, whether it's yeah. ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand dollars, whatever the uh, whatever the limit is. And people like ring announcers and uh, back cage workers and the, the ring workers that you know the Glovers, the people and all the Vaseline guys. None of those people are guaranteed into the Michigan into that money. You know what yep. I mean? Because if some of those skip out, if somebody skips out on that um, on the money or whatever, if somebody tries to. The state of Michigan takes that out of that liquid money, out of that money. Like, right. hey, you owe us. You ain't getting out of not paying. Right. That's part of it. And it'd be cool to be on that, you know. I don't know how they could regulate it because I think all of us announcers charge different rates. So I don't know how they could regulate that, maybe just by contract. You know, hey, if you got a contract to work, then whatever, you're going to get guaranteed I would assume so way. just because, you know, just how same fires are. Right. Fires exactly. Are it's got to be all different, but it's got to be all guaranteed under that so much money. That's why I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that works which is something I'm talking about. I'd like to get involved a little bit more with the officiating here in Michigan because even, uh, you guys know, when the UFC did come here freaking 10 years ago, there was problems with the Michigan staff, and they, they put them out there on the public yep, with the timekeeping and whatever else and stuff like that, and they put it out there like Michigan sucks. The Michigan officials, we don't want to deal with That's Michigan. That's why they didn't come back here for That's so That's what long. I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I'd like to help in that sense, and I'm not knocking anybody that's on the commission now or anything like that. I'd like to just... Try to throw my, you know, professional opinion, if you would, like I said, unpapered, <laughs> un- right. undegreed professional opinion on some of the things that's going on. I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more. I, sh- I should dive into it a little more. Uh, talk to Bronco. Try to get on the commission uh, that's appointed by gonna, the governor. I think I might. Him and uh, Mr. Scott Affolter yep. and Kevin McMillian. Scott's awesome. To, yeah. like, Scott's hey, great. We, Scott's from Down River. Yep. You know that, right? Yeah, why not? And we, yep. we sit around and we, we try to make the sport better because we love the sport we don't want the sport to be the craziest rule is that the promoters get to pick judges right now that under is the new crazy rule. but uh, you'll see what you know why with the now. ufc in december i'm wondering if that will actually hit legislation floor and change that is something that's i'm glad you said that because that's one of the reasons i don't think they should be able, i think they should be assigned oh absolutely they should all everybody oh, should be assigned timekeepers included yep Timekeepers, judges, and everything should be assigned, and it should be down to the order of where they work. Just because somebody is the best referee doesn't mean they should get that fight just because it's a world championship fight. This is my opinion now. This is my opinion. Because we're all talking about all these judges and everything like that. Well, hey, was unexperienced. Well, how the hell do you get experience? Exactly. Yep. You got to take it's those with fights. every job, though. Yeah, and if it ends up being something that you messed up, well, then you messed it up, Yamasaki. You, you, don't take this, <laughs> you know what I mean? You yep. know, whether you got experience or not, if you're a brand new referee, how are you going to get experience? You know what I mean? You got to you got to do the fight. 
You, mm-hmm. you got to do more fights. So there should be some type of regulation, like you said. It shouldn't be like, hey, okay, I'm, I want this guy because he's good and you know he knows our fighters and he knows they won't quit and isn't that, that that's not always the best for the fighter, anyways. Or he's my buddy. Exactly. Oh, he's my friend. And I know they're getting paid, and I want to make sure he gets paid. Yeah. Well, we'll have him do something else. But it should be, you know, regulated. It should be. Oh, hey, absolutely. If, we, if Bob Smith just done this fight, he through. shouldn't do the next one. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No way. If he'd done this event and there's another event tomorrow, unless there's a shortage, you know, you should give those judges somebody else or that event mm-hmm. to other judges. Spread period. the wealth. Exactly. And it's not even wealth. It's just spread the work. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what gets your money, or what what do you watch? UFC, or I mean, I watch it all and I DVR it all. Honestly, DVR. Uh, I Love DVR it. everything. Premier boxing champions. I premiere. Uh, I DVR any of the free fight nights that I don't get to watch, or I'll watch them right there at the club. Honestly, nice. We got fifteen TVs, and uh, if they have other things on, I'll always put the one TV closest to me on whatever fights on. Mm-hmm. I can't never hear it. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay. that's better. Because so it's like Mary, you're in two songs. Mary, get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me? Is there like now a- coming to the stage? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> is, is there one name that's just like you got to be kidding me? That's the one you chose. Uh, there's a million of them. You wouldn't <laughs> believe. Uh, but here at uh, where I work at at the landing strip, uh, they don't let the girls go crazy on the names. There's heaven and there's, you know. What's the most unique one you've ever heard? Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> the one that, the one that you, can, you just you, looked at and you went, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even think of. There's always, like, the bubbles and stuff, you know, Dora and Pandora and all these, you know, Pandora. girls. Pandora. Yeah, exactly. There, there's always Pandora's kinds of. Pandora's box. Pandora's box. Like I said. I that, knew a girl named Pandora once. I didn't get to see her box. <laughs> And you got all the cars for sure. Not at the landing strip, like I said. We we got all the regular name girls and all the girls. Yeah, yeah. You got all the cars all the time back in the days. Porsche and Ferrari, Corvette. You name it. You know. Oh my lord. There's all kinds. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, geez. And they all pick from the same (laughs) ten songs, right? Well, pretty much all. They all they all want to. That's that's the other thing I I I announce is them fighting over that song. That's my song. And I'm like, here, here, really? here's, here's a cuss word, kind of a cuss word for you, you know, because I'm dealing with the girls. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll never really say that to them too much, and they know it's funny. But I'm, I'm like, bitch, it's your song. It's like, what you mean? I don't this see your boring. name on the credit. That, that's my song, mother. And I'm like, it ain't your song, girl. Like, for, it's, it's Rihanna. And you know whose song it is? It's Rihanna's song. And right. she's dancing to it right now, you know. like, Get out of here. You haven't even tipped me yet. <laughs> like, I never even thought know. about that. What, there's got to be a time limit on a song because they make money off songs. Three because, minutes. Okay, three so minutes. it's got to be three or clubs, less. Most strip clubs that I've ever been to or worked at, it's usually an average of about three minutes, which will last you 20 songs per hour. So if you're if you're a VIP guy, you know, a lot of guys that come in there, just come in there for the beer, maybe throw a couple dollars or whatever like that. But if you're a VIP uh, client, it's, you know, 20, uh, 20 songs an hour. So, wow. So go figure. You know what I mean? Chopping down three minutes a piece. Yep. Because you can't pick something crazy because then they're losing money in the back. Now, rooms. that is what, you know, you're talking about my jobs. That is the job that's a lot harder than people think it is, especially these wiki wiki scratching, mixing artist DJs uh-huh. that always think that they, they're the best and they don't always trying to make a name for themselves. I crack up at all those guys because <laughs> I've been a DJ since 1987. They'll date you a little bit too. And I've been doing DJ work, but I am a DJ, not an artist. And what I consider to be a DJ is the same as an announcer. It's the in-between time. 
Yep. Original disc jockeys, the reason they have a job is because they were saying San Pellegrino lemon water and stuff like that, like I just picked up, you know what I mean? In between, and now here's some Aerosmith. Right. Nice. Yeah. That's the disc jockey. Yeah. Disc jockey is not wicked, wicked, mixing up other people's songs right. and calling it yours. Yeah. Oh, dude, you hear my mix, man? Oh, dude, I'm playing again underneath this guy. And I'm, you know, like, dude, give me a break, man. You, you ain't getting paid for it like that, anyways. First of all, you're not an artist. You're no Skrillex, you know? Right. But you got all these DJ hoopties and DJ whatever. Yeah. And I'm DJ this and that. And I, I crack up. I look on my Facebook. I'm like, these guys are crazy. Are, are you just DJ Trevino? <laughs> I'm DJ Pete. DJ, DJ Pete. Pete. Yeah, exactly. See, I like they, that. they know me just as DJ simple. Pete. Exactly. I'm, I go by the name MC Throwdown in that sense. Okay. If you're talking about DJ names or whatever. Yeah. I'll put, I say MC Throwdown because, once again, it's Master of Ceremonies yeah. or, right. or Microphone Controller, like Run DMC, because <laughs> I'm old school. I'm the MC. Nice. <laughs> well, stick around, Pete. We're going to uh, get to know Kendra here for a little bit. Uh, we're going to welcome Ring Girl Kendra to the undercard. How are you today? Good. You just got to get a little closer to the mic so we all can hear you and stuff. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a marketing major and I'm also a traveling model. I'm okay. I'm from Detroit, so I love all the cars and all the wrestling. I actually was kind of a town boy when I was younger. Really? <laughs> yeah. We have a few of those ring girls that yeah. they were town boys and then... We have fishers and hunters. And then they grew yeah. up. We've, we've, well, still we've fought on makeup and heels. Yeah. yeah. I used to think I was uh, going to be a diva. I used to try and fight my brother in the living room. WWE. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Nice. And you're, you're pretty tall. I like. Yeah. I saw you walk by. What, what do you stand at? I'm five nine and a half. That's pretty cool for a woman. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could be a wrestler. I thought I was going to be, uh, like, St- <laughs> Stacy Keebler Jr. or something. <laughs> she, she was pretty hot back in the day. I remember. Uh and then once once you rub WWE wrong, like they don't ever acknowledge you ever again and she's part of that yeah. thing and stuff. So marketing, have you seen the show Mad Men? Yeah, I have. Obsessed with it. Have you? <laughs> did you like it? I liked it, but I don't really watch TV that much, so I'm just like, because I'm always traveling. So, no, so we we just we never saw it when it was on, but we, we just bought the DVDs and we're just like, we're gonna try it. And they're ad and marketing, people. right? And the, the way they come up with the ads and marketing probably is pretty close to how they did it in the 60s and stuff like that. So what, what kind of marketing do you want to get into? Because there's now 50 million fields of marketing. There really is. When I first came out, I wanted to, like, when I first got into college, I wanted to do a lot of, like, product placement and, like, the designs for, like, a can of soda or box that products come inside of. But then later on, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to get into, like, actual advertisements inside of, like, TV and print. Like okay. the design inside of that aspect instead. <laughs> so name a commercial that was memorable to you advertising-wise that you were like, that is brilliant. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm a Disney kid also at heart. So okay. <laughs> there's this Geico commercial, and you know how they're always just ridiculous with their commercials anyways. But there's one where Peter Pan's there at the <laughs> high school reunion. <laughs> I've not seen that one. No. Yeah, everyone's like yeah. really old, and he's still a kid, and he's oh, really yeah, immature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I had to, I had to really think about that, but yeah, I remember that. Like it's. It, it wasn't everybody graduated. Party. It was like their 20-year reunion, and Peter Pan and he was still, still the same age. Yeah, it's like, hey, Greg, how you doing? Hey, Marsha. You know, and they're, they're just Wasn't that Geico or something? I don't yeah. remember. Hold on. I, I want to try to look it up. I think Hold it was on. Geico or something like that. Like Most people this, that, the other. 
Peter. My favorite are easily, even though they replaced them, the Dosaki's most interesting man. Oh, I yeah. thought it was a great campaign. They got a new guy, but um, also uh, the Mayhem commercials for the insurance. Oh, I love that one. Too. The guy that always yeah. he plays the part of Mayhem. For all yeah, it's uh, it is <laughs> Geico. Here's to you, Mr. Undercard Announcer. Yeah. Be, be American. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you, want, if you want to talk about, like, you know, because a, a lot of really good marketing uh, has to do with, uh, like, creating buzzwords or, right. or like, a saying or whatever. So like or something well, nowadays. But, like, I remember the What's Up guys just, what's up? And everybody was doing it. Oh, like, yeah. my dad would do that. It's like, hey, what's up? Wasabi, <laughs> yeah, or or the Bud, uh, the Budweiser frogs, you know, yeah, yeah everybody but, knew that, but but why, sir, but why, sir? Hey, are we getting paid by yeah. Budweisers? No, 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 no. no. no falling down beer companies. Somebody, somebody, guy, hey, yeah. I just rang the beer bell again. Somebody yeah. said Budweiser. Oh. Is it broken? Or no, no, see, no, no, no. When you ring that 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 beer bell, it, Dave gets a beer, not not oh. here. Yeah. <laughs> Dave must be Dave, Dave, Dave's just swimming in beer right now. <laughs> Dave must love me as a guest. He's like getting all kinds of beers. I've been ringing it. Yeah, the Peter Pan commercial was a Geico commercial. Told you. Boom. So you're an automotive uh, person. Favorite car then? Yeah, I am. Oh my gosh. Well, I like favorite brand then. Lexus. Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> so, talking about cars, have you ever uh, thought about being one of the? Since you're here in Detroit, the uh, international auto show models. I am an international auto. Show really? Model. For what car? Yeah. I'm with Hyundai. Really? <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. So uh, give us your speech from this year because I'm sure you still remember it when you get the mic and you talk about the car. Give us. Oh, the- God. No, I'm the lucky one. I just get to stand there and smile, direct people. Okay. I'm like a hostess. So. You know what's going away from the auto show, which, I mean, it's probably good for the environment, but I hate it, is that you don't get brochures anymore. You take the info and then they email it to you. The brochures were so cool when you were a kid going around <laughs> having those bags and carrying them as much as you could. I can't believe you've mentioned those. I have a small story before I was an announcer in that. All right. Go. I was 19 years old, and I owned a business called Pronto Freight. I did pretty well for about six months. Me and my friend of mine, Frank, bought a brand-new GMC van, and we were uh, doing business out of the airport here in Romulus by a, a company called A&D Delivery would call us and we're just sub-delivering, you know what I mean? G- going, picking up a couple of skids and taking them wherever. Lexus called us. We went to Romulus to pick up all of their brochures for a car show they were going to do in a place called The Plain. That was the name of the city, The Plain, Virginia. I'm in my brand new van on my, on my way there, and we broke down. <laughs> One day car show. They didn't get oh their things. God. We lost our account. We lost everything on that. Show. Oh, no. Everything. I, the, the van was blown up. Had to pay for the van still. It was brand spanking new. We hadn't even done two months of payments on it. Oh we we lost the A&D delivery account. Oh and this was like the third run we were doing for Lexus and everything that, you know, we were getting paid. Yeah. Getting paid. All it was was picking two skids up from the airport here in Romulus and driving it to the Plain, Virginia and didn't even make it. <laughs> no. Oof. New, new cars um, fall under the Lumen Law, though, right? Or, like, I don't know how that works. They didn't back then. No. They didn't? Oh, no. shit. 
Back in the Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> the Lemon Law, I don't think, started until like the late 80s, early 90s yeah. to protect from shit like that. Yeah. Right. Did yeah. Hande have a cool outfit? Because, I mean, some outfits are cool, <laughs> and then some are like, I can't believe can they be put honest. all the promotional we, models in this. They were pretty cool. I looked like I was a race car driver. I was actually working like awesome. a race car activation, <laughs> which is cool because I'm actually like, from being a tomboy, I used to love playing like car games. So I was uh-huh. always playing Hot Pursuit and everything. <laughs> all right. So I got to work this activation where we we're playing with all these race cars, and like, I was helping the little kids like play the game. It was pretty fun. And I got to look like a race car driver. So it's a pretty dope event. <laughs> See, you, you you work for a company that kind of is inviting. I have to admit, when you walk on, like, the Land Rover's little hardwood floor and stuff like that, right. they, like, they look you up and down. They're like, <laughs> sure, you want a brochure. Right. You know, they're like, they're like, they start at $95,000. Right. You know, they, like, they don't, I get a yeah. feel from some of them. And yeah. then you go to the BMW, they're like, Are you lost? Are you looking for exactly. where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for the food court? It's not by the BMW. It's just that the way. Exact way he got his Hummer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, there are the the snootier promotional models at the uh, the events where they're like they probably are driving. The exact same car you are, but they're acting like because I'm with BMW. Right. They look you up and down. You're not one of those people. You seem nice. No, I'm so nice. I'm the smiling face there, so they already know that I'm going to be nice to everyone. And it's long hours for like three weeks. You do media week, and then you do the two general. Oh, did you have weeks. to wear the heels? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, this year actually I didn't. Last year in New York I had to, and that was brutal. Well, that's why I asked because of the the actual race car driver outfit. I was thinking. Maybe no heels this year. Yeah, no, this year I was lucky. <laughs> High five. Oh, wow. Uh, is there a, a car company that you'd want to work for in the future? Because a lot of the accounts are are under one company, and yeah, then you're assigning them. I don't know. It would be cool to work for, like, a luxury brand. And, like, Alfa then, Romeo. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. To but look I don't them know. up and down. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I don't want to wear the heels all day because I've already been there, done that. So yeah. I'm like, do I want to be sore for, like, eight hours or 13 hours? Do I want to do that? Well, there's- <laughs> what about John Deere and stuff oh like that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tractors. Yeah, they'd be awesome. <laughs> right. Hot girls and tractors. That's right. <laughs> the the Maseratis were behind a glass that was like this high. Yeah. You could climb over it if you wanted, <laughs> and they were inviting only certain people. I don't know how they did that. They would open those people up, and they got yep, to I remember. be just near like, the Maserati. Your credit score, guys. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Do you mind if we run your credit to <laughs> see if what you're was, even in the Maserati? There, there was something. Your card was, at the, <laughs> exactly. I think it was like a Bugatti or something like that. Where like they it was just at an auto show. This was years ago. There's some kind of Bugatti or whatever and they were like handing out like tickets like you could win to be able to sit in the Bugatti or something like oh that and get like your picture taken and like they were handing them out and there was a raffle drawing and I didn't win but uh, my buddy won and we got pictures or you know <laughs> the old disposable like 35 millimeter yep. film cameras and we got a picture taken or whatever and then I asked how much the purchase price was and this was like 94 maybe 95 or whatever it was like $700,000 mm-hmm. I was there a little bit <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> sorry I'm like 
what? Like I couldn't. Like it. My mind could not fathom that a car could cost seven hundred thousand dollars. Like I, I had just spent a hundred dollars on my car, and that was like the end of the world for me. I mean, like I just my my mind could not fathom somebody paying that much for a car. It's a hunk of metal. It gets you from point A to point B. That's it. I know. You should never pay Don't more than like f- like ten thousand dollars. All vehicles should be ten thousand dollars. That's it. Done. Okay. In, in, in the <laughs> and there promo- goes our economy. Right. And then the, the promotional models probably know the phrases that they know you don't qualify for anymore. Like if you're looking at a Porsche, she'll be like, yeah, but I'll have to get metric tools. They'll yeah. be like, okay, you're, go along. You know, if, that, if that's what you're worried about, move on. No, I was $10,000 in 95, not now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 10000 yeah. That was a nice car back then. That's what I was saying, yeah, but it yeah. should never be more than like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember your first car, Pete? Believe it or not, it was a broke down, beat up 57 Chevy. But you probably nice. loved it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except putting all the money into it. <laughs> Everything went in that thing. You don't even know, man. It started out getting tires. Then the alternator, everything. <laughs> Did you just, rebuild it, it? Well, I had it. I don't oh. do that. I can't do that. I never right, went right. to auto mechanics or anything like that. Okay. So I was just paying money yeah, to get yeah. it redone. Everything from the muffler, you name yeah. it, everything was falling off. And I just wanted it because it was cool. It was even all Bondo and everything. It was a yeah. white 57 Chevy I bought <laughs> from a guy at a radiator shop. And I should have freaking noon better, no better, because the, like, the third thing to go was the radiator. <laughs> and I, I, I remembered it. I was, yeah. I was 19 years old. I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh. I, well, don't be jealous, but I had a Mercury marquee. Uh-huh. Grand marquee. Yeah. I've had one of those, too. I had a green one. Oh, mine was black. Yeah. A, a green <laughs> pretty um, slick. And I, I set a- it on fire. <laughs> what? <laughs> I used to smoke back in the day. Oh, jeez. So I, as I'm flicking my cigarette yeah, out the just window, it in the, yep. went right in the back seat. Yep. And I had a roll of paper towels back there. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Um, I had an 85 Chevy uh, Cavalier hatchback. Paid $100. Uh, uh, I got a lady that my dad worked with bought it from a police auction for 50 bucks. <laughs> I bought it from her for $100. <laughs> I spent $100 on repairs and drove it into the ground for three years. Oh I eat, like the, the, like uh, You couldn't pop the trunk. You had to have a screwdriver. No, and every once in a while, because it was a, you know, a hatchback, so it had that curved thing. There wasn't really a trunk. It was just kind of like a back area. But a uh, screwdriver to pop the trunk. And then to start it... You had to put the key in, then take a smaller screwdriver, yep. jam it in the side, and then slowly turn the <laughs> screwdriver. If you went too fast, it wouldn't start. If you went too slow, it wouldn't start. You had to do it just right. And my father yeah. had a 19, like, I think it was 76 Impala. That I was just going to say that. We had to start out. That's how I learned to drive on that. <laughs> yeah. We had to start it with a screwdriver, and you just left the screwdriver in there. People could just hop in. And, yeah. And, <laughs> seriously, yeah. that was back in then, you know what yeah. I mean? You know, back in the 80s, you know what yeah. I mean? You could just do that still. But how could you take your keys into sporting events because they don't allow screwdrivers anymore? No, no, no. You just you, leave it on no, the No, no, you, no. It, it wouldn't start. Oh. It wouldn't start without both the key oh, and the yeah. screwdriver. So you'd leave no. the screwdriver in there, but it wouldn't start with a screwdriver. You had to put the key in, but because it was so loose, you had to put the screwdriver in so that it basically flattened it against the the like, thing or whatever, and then you had to turn the screwdriver because it was what was keeping everything together as you rotated. Oh, wow. <laughs> How about you, Kendra, first car? 
My first car was so short-lived. Yeah, they all go down in, like, blazes of glory. This is even worse than you guys. It's like, three years is nice and decent. Like, I had my car for two weeks. (laughs) It was a 2005 Infiniti. I wasn't even driving this. We got it for, like, $5,000. My mom drove the car to work because she was working at Kobo, and I carpooled with a friend. On the way back home, she gets into an accident on the lodge because a drunk driver, like, hits her car and someone else's, totals both cars, and manages to get away. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're like, what the heck? But the good thing was we got 8000 back for it. We only paid 5000 Oh, that's so good. So I was like, okay, cool. Right. That's right, because your mom, had- your mom was rolling back the miles on it when it was broke. <laughs> yeah, She's like, right. hold She's on. Like, that's it. Since the dash is broke, here we go. So I, I don't know about anybody else, but when I was in high school, like, that was my car in high school. It was the first car, right? But... I, I, there were a couple of kids who went to my high school who were like the Richie Rich or whatever. And there was a girl, and I'm sure every high school had, had one of these. There was a girl whose daddy bought her brand new 1995 Mustang. Always. <laughs> brand new 1995 Mustang when she got her license. Or no, it was 94. She, within the first week, she totaled it. Oh, yeah. So he bought her another brand new 1994 Mustang, different color. Well, because it wasn't baby thing. girl's fault. No. <laughs> Two weeks, she totaled that one. Oh, my God. Bought her another brand new car after the third one was totaled. She came driving into school in this old jalopy, and all we heard for like months afterwards about how her daddy didn't love her because he bought her this terrible jalopy. Not a single. There was a teacher who went, Seriously, you are fucking spoiled. <laughs> and she's just like, ah. Could you imagine what the insurance would be on a 17-year-old who totaled two cars? Three cars. A, yeah. Three cars. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking I mean, $900 you're a month or something. Yeah, but I think, I think he was like one of the high-end managers at Ford Motor Company, so he could afford to buy her whatever she oh, wanted. But man, yeah. Still, that doesn't mean yeah. you should. Pete, no. I mean, no, you hello. shouldn't. Pete, what's your upcoming schedule? Dude, how long did you go out with her? Uh, say what again? Dude, how long did you go out with her? <laughs> one date. Just for the 5.0. No. Just for the 5.0. Which, which no, one did you drive? Which one did you drive, bro? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't drive. This, I, only went, I actually went out with her before she got those cars because she was a year younger than me. Uh, but, uh, no, we went out on one date, and after one date, I went, oh, my God, you were so narcissistic. Like, <laughs> this is before, like, any of this happened, so I didn't, you know, and then all that happened. I'm like... Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, sorry, what were you saying, Brad? Uh, uh, I was going to ask you your schedule in one second. Was she narcissistic oh. uh, because she looked at you when you were like starting your car and she's like, "Why are you starting it with a screwdriver?" What, no, what, what, what was this? <laughs> no, no, no. She was narcissistic, and this is you know before cell phones or whatever. Oh yeah. But we went out to dinner and pagers, I took her baby pagers. Right. No, well, no, we didn't even have pagers yet. What? This was '94. I had a pager in '94. I didn't have '94. Eight one three five nine eight seven. Only drug dealers had pagers in '94. We should Brad. call it. Right hey, that's not. True. I had, had one. two. I'm just but you were older. I was in high school. You were older. I was in high school. That was completely different. But anyways, um, no. So I took her out to a, a nice restaurant. I mean, you know, granted, I'm I'm running on like I think Blockbuster money because that's maybe where I was working. But I took her out to a nice restaurant. And the entire time we were there, all she did was hold the mirror up to herself and like move her hair, do her makeup. She kept looking at herself like. Like girls do now with like selfies or whatever, but that it was her in her mirror, you know. Wow. Yeah, it was just so narcissistic, and all she did the entire time was talk about herself. That's it. No, That's yeah, I know. <laughs> all right, uh, good luck to Cody this weekend on UFC. Absolutely, yay! 
You're going to see Kendra at an uh, upcoming event really soon. As soon as we <laughs> know the schedule of the Ring Girls, we'll, we'll post it up on Facebook. Pete, where are you going to be in the next I, few I'm weeks? I'm going to be at WXC coming up on the 14th, Friday the 14th, I believe it is. Southgate Civic Center. Southgate Civic Center. In August, I will be on the, uh, doing the undercard under Jimmy Lennon Jr. I'll be doing that uh, for the Clarissa Shields fight at MGM yep. for Salida Promotions. Um I forget what else I got at the end of August, but in September I got two big Canadian shows. I don't know, maybe we could talk about that next time if you ever have me on again about the big thing that's going on in Canada. Uh, you know, the, the, the banning the MMA. Dude, you're welcome anytime. Wait, what? what? Thank you. Yeah, they're banning Ontario. amateur. Uh, oh, amateur MMA. MMA. Oh, wow. Pros in, are good in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments yeah. because it's not. Okay. But I'll be the doing law went back-to-back bad. events in September. September 22nd, I will be uh, doing a show for. Crueline and somewhere up in Ontario, Canada, I forget where it is. And then also uh, in Canada, I'll be doing for Jamie Champion Prospect. They changed their show from MMA to kickboxing. Nice. So, yeah, they're still having a show, and that's, that's a charity show, and they always do really well. Awesome. So, uh, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Facebook.com slash Mr. Throwdown. And you can also find me, Mr. Throwdown, on Instagram, I think it is. And then the other one, Twitter, is at Fight Announcer. And he's got really cool shirts. We're wearing them right now. Uh, <laughs> I start fights. And then on the back, that's a really good image of you, too. It's yeah, like it it's not. It's like, like the comic book. Uh, what is that? Uh, Sin City or whatever. That's, I like oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Sin City. Logo. I like it. Go give Pete a like. Uh, please, one please. Of the, one of the best in the game. He does it right. We will be back soon. Take care, everybody. Oh. You've been listening to The Undercard, Hand Combat Radio. We're listening to The Undercard, Hand Combat Radio. She said she wants to see.